Hello and welcome to the Browns Blitz. Today is Wednesday, December 29th, and this is episode number 130. I am your host, Rod Bloom. Joining me today is my brother, Jeff. Hey, Jeff, how are things going? How's it going, Rod? How are you doing? Yeah, pretty good. Pretty good. Made it through Christmas all right, and uh, pretty nice yeah. time. How about you? Yeah, the week between the holidays is kind of slow, but, you know, that's okay. Yeah, yeah, no problem at all. Um, joining us today is our guest and my friend, Joe Ayupa. Joe, how are you this evening? Rod and Jeff, I am doing great. I uh, thoroughly appreciate the invite and uh, very excited to be here, gentlemen. Yeah, really, really been looking forward to talking to you. We've uh, we've talked a lot, but never, <laughs> never uh, verbally. So, uh, so yeah, it's good to talk to you, Joe. For sure. And, uh, I'm going to give out your uh, your Twitter handle now. Anybody wants to give you a follow, it's it's at Joey Doves seventy seven. You want to give an explanation on that Twitter handle, Joe? Or? Uh, I lo- no, I'd love to. That's that's actually a pretty uh, pretty good story. Uh, you know, as my last name is Ayupa I U P P A, there is a, a very interesting gentleman in sh- that was in Chicago, and his name was Joseph Ayupa, but it was spelled A I U P P A, and he actually was uh, Al Capone's uh, one of his uh, head henchmen for quite a few years, and he. Uh, he ran the Chicago mob scene and, you know, different stories exist that we may or may not uh, be relatives. I always say yes in case, you know, to have that little uh, that little story. And his nickname was uh, Joey Dubs Ayupa. So that's uh, uh-huh. that's where that that's where that comes into play. Cool. That's cool. We'll be so, nice to you. So was it? Yeah, that, that's what, it, that's why I always say that is you know just <laughs> always be nice. <laughs> was was he the was he the Birdman of Chicago? I mean, where did the Doves come from? Um, well, part of it was the birds, but I'm if you know the movie uh, Casino, uh, there uh, he was actually the gentleman that uh, put the hit out on uh, Joe Pesci's character and his brother. Huh. You know they don't they don't use his name, but he was. He was in jail for quite a few years for for that hit that was called out. Wow! So mm. that's 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 him. So you're going to make us an offer we can't refuse? Well, <laughs> potentially, <laughs> but uh, we'll just we'll, we'll we'll just we'll just wish for a Browns victory and not uh, not, not going to better yeah. option. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good, Jeff. Better than I could have done. So, <laughs> so. Uh, so guys, we're we're going to before we get into the football and a few other things, we're gonna we're gonna talk about what we're drinking tonight with our Blitz beverages. And Joe, you are the guest. We're gonna let you kick it off. So uh, why don't you tell us about what you have in front in front of you there? Sure. Uh, in honor of my wife Maria, I am drinking Market Garden uh, Festivus, which is her favorite and also one of my favorite Christmas ales. I I love it. It's got a little bit of that. Uh, uh, emblem of the guardian, which we can, you know, equate to the Indians. And I just love the fact that it's, uh, you know, it's not too overly floral or pine scented or, you know, how some of them can be, you know, very, very profusive. And, and I just, uh, it's very easy drinking and it has everything you want in a holiday brew. Nice. 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 So Jeff, what do you have there? Well, as you know, Rod, I don't do a lot of beer this time of year, um, but I did have a little bit of Chardonnay earlier. 
with dinner. Um, and when I was on vacation, I sort of started this this new uh, nightly thing of um, I get a bottle of or I, I got to get a glass of uh, Bailey's on the rocks um, sort of as my evening aperitif. Um, so that's kind of carried over now since I've been home. And fortunately for Christmas, everybody kind of picked up on that and bought me a bunch of Bailey's. So I'm going to be <laughs> doing this for the foreseeable future. Gotcha. So you have the Bailey's now? Yeah. Okay, cool. Cool. Well, Jeff, you'll be happy to know I'm, I, uh, you know, we went to, to the BrewDog Hotel uh, a few weeks back and I, I brought home a variety of beers from there. I just, I just bought four different individual cans and uh, one of them is the BrewDog Happy Christmas. And uh, this is a, uh, Say, I'm trying to find their description of it. Essentially, just a, a, a Christmas, oh, Christmas IPA. Yeah, it says batteries not included on the side. But I think that's just a play on Christmas. But um, <laughs> yeah. so, so it's a uh, it says a festive India India Pale Ale, six um, percent. Um, tastes tastes like an IPA, which um, Jeff, I, I think you finally converted me. And you know wow. you kind of got me started on these. I'm I'm to the <laughs> point where where I where I enjoy these. So nice. Um, nice. you know it started with the New England IPAs, and I've I've tried enough New England IPAs that were that tasted just like an IPA that I've really started to enjoy them. That's great. So um, yeah. So a little more, I feel like I'm a little bit more well-rounded of a beer drinker. You're a full-spectrum beer drinker now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I finally made it after how many years? We won't say. <laughs> it's been a I've, while. Anyways. I've actually had uh, that beer recently, and it was uh, it was pretty delicious. Yeah, I think it's got a good flavor to yeah. it. Yeah, yeah it's not... Um, I mean, I think I'm getting more used to IPAs, but to me, it's not real. It's not, you know, it's not extremely hoppy. It's just got, mm-hmm. it's got a nice taste of it. So, so, uh, so Joe, we we are at the point in the in the show where we would like to hear about your story as a Browns fan. Now, I know you said you've been. Um, I don't know if you're from New York originally, but I know you were in Rochester and. Um, and that you're in Avon now. So why don't you just tell us a little bit about your history as a Browns fan and any highlights or anything else you'd like to add in? Sure, definitely. Uh, yeah, I've been a Browns fan since birth. And, you know, for people that aren't super familiar, uh, Rochester, New York's about four hours away, give or take, from Cleveland. And, you know, prior to the Bills being in town, uh, the closest team to Rochester was the Cleveland Browns, you know, other than, you know, it was the New York Giants and it was the Cleveland Browns. And when my dad grew up, uh, he grew up in the, uh, you know, definitely the heart of wanting, of being a Browns fan. It was, uh, it was Otto Graham, Jim Brown, Leroy Kelly, you know, Gene Hickerson, you know, any, any of the who's who was when he started being a Browns fan. So obviously, uh, it wasn't hard for him to stick with it, but he, uh, he just kind of gravitated towards him, uh, loved him. He actually got a couple of uh, college degrees in Cleveland, so that kind of solidified it more than anything. Stuck through it, you know, even though uh, John Elway ruined my childhood a couple times in a row. Uh, you know, it did, it, 
you know, yeah. any any of these situations now are, and you know, one in thirty one, you know, five hundred is really not the end of the world. Even though obviously they uh, they tease us just enough to be within two points or whatever. You know, uh, you know, I always say if you're a Browns fan, you're a loyal individual and you've got a you've got some care you've got some character. So I've you know, I will be my whole life and certainly, uh, you know, won't sway me. And, and actually what brought me to Cleveland, uh, ultimately was, uh, six years ago, I married, uh, my wife, Maria, and we actually just happenstance were at the same Browns game tailgating and we met there and here we are. So even uh-huh. in those, even in those one in 31 days, uh, I was I was actually a season ticket holder with my cousin, and so we would come, you know, start off at three or four in the morning, driving here to tailgate, you know, pure dedication to see a, a very subpar product for most of those years. And but there was a reason why we did it, and you know, obviously, I you know, you know, Rod and I kind of uh, crossed paths. I w- we were talking about um, myself uh, writing for you know some different articles, some pieces, and things like that. But at that point, and it was almost exactly three years ago, um, my daughter just turned three a couple weeks ago. And, mm-hmm. you know, I wanted to do it. I really, you know, have confidence in my, you know, with the pieces that I write. But, you know, we were just giving birth to our first daughter and, our, you know, our only daughter. And, you know, I, I just didn't feel like I put my all into it. So that's kind of how Rod and myself kind of crossed paths. Mm. Yeah. So that's that's kind of yeah. my, uh, you know, short and sweet story of the Browns. Gotcha. Yeah, that, that's pretty cool. Uh, um, I think, uh, I mean, your, your story kind of goes back to the days of, you know, the glory days, you know, you, when you talk about your dad and kind of, mm-hmm. you know, people that followed the Browns, kind of picking pick between the Browns and the Giants. And I think you know, there's probably, there's probably quite a few people in that, in that uh, same group, you know, in different areas. But um the fact that you've carried it on another generation and everything that's that's pretty darn cool yeah so and my daughter is uh she definitely uh when i get excited and you know which you know obviously has been quite a bit more in the last couple of years she uh she, she <laughs> likes she likes it when daddy's happy so <laughs> and i don't and i you know you kind of learn as you go that you know the browns aren't life even though obviously it's it's better when they win but you know years ago and when you're younger, you know, it's, you know, your weekend is ruined, you know, or it could be. And, you know, certainly, mm-hmm. certainly John Elway did uh, that a couple of years in a row, but you know, there's, there's bigger things in life, but it's, uh, there's certainly something sweet about it when there's some success for a team that you're, uh, you know, you're living and breathing with. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, so uh, yeah, excellent. Excellent. So let's, let's talk about, the Browns then uh, we'll go back and talk about the Packers game first um, Christmas Day and you know I, I guess it depends on your perspective on this game um, you know a lot of people were probably mad because you know the way it ended with the with the pick you know and Baker's fourth interception and and you know should have should, should there have been a penalty called and should the Browns have had a chance to kick the field goal there and you know everything like that so a lot of people probably have a very bitter taste in in their mouth from that game but um you know the browns played outside of the interceptions the browns played a very 
a very good game against really the best team record-wise in the NFC. Uh, the defense played, you know, just excellent. They held held the Packers to three points in the second half. Um, so the first time in in five weeks that the Packers had scored less than 30 points. Uh, you know, and, and some of those points the Browns gave up were, were well, probably all of them were off the turnovers. But um, you know, the Pack- Packers have some players, so they're they're going to score some points. So um, kind of depends on your perspective. So. I, I guess we'll just start off by letting you guys, uh, you know, give your thoughts, just some random thoughts that you might have from the game. So, so Jeff, you've been quiet. We'll we'll let you have uh, your your shot first here. Yeah. Again, we we didn't think the Browns had any chance in this game, pretty much from the get go this year. Looking at the schedule, um, tough. Tough schedule going into Lambeau on Christmas Day and, you know, COVID shortened roster and, and all the other, you yeah. know, what ifs. Um, you know, I think the Browns overall played pretty well. As you said, the, the defense played really well. Um, you know, we just continue to struggle as an offense um, and, you know, we put up more points than we had been, which at least gave us a chance. Um but yeah, it really just boiled down to the the turnovers. You know, you just you can't give the ball to a team as strong as the Packers in a short field um, and expect to to keep pace. And, and you know, they did a pretty good job of that, but um, you know, just it just wasn't enough. And again, I'm not really that upset with you know this game going into the loss category because I pretty much expected that all year. Um, I am kind of disappointed with the way we lost the game, you know, that that all these guys went out there and and really kind of laid it on the line um, yeah. and gave us a good chance. And you know, we just sort of gave it away. Yeah. So so, Joe, what uh, what would you like to add to that? Well, I'd, I'd agree. And uh, um, the a lot of a lot of the takes that you guys have. The thing that was the most head scratching thing for me was the last four downs that they played. First of all, Nick Chubb wasn't on the field, which, you know, 184 combined yards. I mean, that guy is just the heart and soul of the team, in my opinion. I mean, he is as much of a class act as you can want, wants to be out there, doesn't react to things. And when you see him on the bench with his coat on, and, you know, no, no offense to Dearness Johnson. He is a unsung hero um, in that Denver game and whatnot. But the thing beyond that is you're going to throw it four times. And, uh, you know, it just it's Stefanski I love. And I would, you know, people that are over, you know, the, the reactionary Twitter, whatever crowd, you know, you know, Baker's the worst thing ever. Stefanski's the worst thing ever. I mean, that, you know, neither of those are true. I mean, they're the best that we've had in quite a long time. But it seems to me like late in games, Stefanski calls a different game than he does for the first 58 minutes of the game. And there's, to me, there's a reason why, in some senses, some of the play calls, some of the execution, it just, it doesn't seem like what's been working the whole game, they somehow abandon way too often. And, you know, they got back into the game because of the running game 
and they just as quickly abandon it. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I I can see that. I mean, I know the 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 fact is there were the three timeouts left. Um, they're they're trying to get down there, you know. Um, it was a tough spot. Um, you know, the fact is, I don't know if any of us had faith that, you know, in, in letting the backup kicker come out and try anything over, you know, 20, you know, 25 or 30 yards or, you know, or whatever the shortest field goal we could possibly take is. For, for sure. Um, you know, I, I, w- I was hoping that they would really try to use that time to get all the way down there and try to score a touchdown. Right. So, um, you know, whatever that would take. But, yeah, I mean, they they left all three timeouts on the board. So, you know, it's it's really hard because we do see, um, you know, week to week. There's times when the Browns come out and run it three plays in a row and they get nothing. And there's times when they come out and pass it three times in a row and they get nothing. And and the Mm -hmm. fans always want the opposite. Um, You know, I think it's. You know, it, it it's um it it's kind of tough to be the coach calling the plays because you're going to be second guessed. So for sure. Um, the only, know, but, yeah, the, go ahead. I'm so, I'm sorry to interrupt. Right. Um, the only the only thing that bothered me is why is Nick Chubb not on the field and why was there a time earlier in the season? I can't recall the game to be completely frank when uh, Nick Chubb was on the sideline and so was Cream Hunt and I've never seen Cream Hunt so animated yelling and you know gesticulation whatever you want to say the the words are he's visibly upset and nick chubb actually you know shrugged his shoulders and it was basically like i know i don't i don't have an answer for you and 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 it's not it's and and durance johnson obviously is phenomenal but it's you know it just it it seems like there's there's too many counterintuitive moves that have made and i just i just wish that they would do what they do best and stop trying to be the smartest person in the room sometimes. And I don't necessarily always, th- always think that Kevin is that way, but I just wish that they would just, you know, when the, you're when talking end of the game. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, there, what was that? There was a, there was a game where they had the wildcat with two fullbacks on the field. W- what was that? You know, I mean, you know, okay. That's, that's wonderful. Johnny Stanton and, uh, um, I forget the number 31, uh, uh, Sanovich. Yeah. I'm just Andy, I'm Andy like, Janovich, yeah. yeah, I'm, I couldn't think I apologize for forgetting his name, but it just, it sometimes is like, okay, that's, that's wonderful, but what are we doing? You know? And, and I understand, I mean, he, there he's in, in comparison to, to the previous coaches we've had. I mean, there's no doubt that he is phenomenal, but I just think he sometimes is trying to, you know, just, I don't know, make a miraculous play or do something unexpected. And that's good. But sometimes, you know, just let's, let's just keep it simple. Yeah. And, you know, I, I honestly thought, and I can see the debate for, for those last, uh, whatever, three, four, five plays. And I thought the rest of the game, I thought, you know, I I thought they, I thought he called a good game. Um, I thought, you know, I thought they moved the ball well and everything. Um, they would, they would have put up a lot of points if it weren't for the turnovers. Oh yeah. So, you know, I thought, I thought it was uh, an excellent game for play calling. Oh, for sure. I mean, the fact that they were still in the game was kind of a miracle to be honest, 
you know, thankfully to the, thankfully to the defense, you know? Yeah. Only because of the defense, I don't know how you turn the ball over four times to the Packers and, and have a chance at the end to, to drive down and win a game. That just, yeah, it I, just doesn't even seem to make sense. So, no, not, no. Well, so let, Jeff, me, let me just add, add this real quick. Yeah. Um, Browns have, have, um, made a, a, a franchise out of trying to be the smartest people in the room, particularly, you know, over the past 20 years, ex- excluding the last couple in the draft and, you mm-hmm. know, and, and selecting players and stuff. Um, so, you know, it's, I think it's totally fair for us to, to sort of have that perception of this organization. Um mm-hmm. And, and to wonder at times, you know, whether they are making good decisions and, and, and to second guess things when they don't go right. So, um, you know, again, I don't, I don't blame anybody for having those sorts of ideas about a game looking back on it. With that said, um, the last three plays of the game were the last, well, last three offensive plays of the game for us mm-hmm. were the last three offensive plays of the game for us because of the interception. Oh, for sure. We don't know. We don't know what the next five to 10 plays mm-hmm. would have looked like. And that's fair. What I've heard from Stefanski yeah. this week is um, they wanted to score a touchdown on that drive. They did not feel confident in, in using their kicker, as you mentioned, Rod. He'd already missed yeah. an extra point. Exactly the, the right way to look at it, yeah. Um, so, so they wanted to go down and score a touchdown to win this game. Um, Nick Chubb had been in on the previous several plays and run, and he had actually taken himself out because he was winded. Mm-hmm. Um, now, maybe there was an opportunity to get him back in. Maybe they didn't plan to get him back in until after the next first down. I don't know what that sequence would have looked like. But the reality is, is that we were still a long way from field goal range when that interception took place. And we needed, to, we needed a lot more offense at that point. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a little gratuitous to – say that, you know, well, we messed up by not running Nick Chubb on any of those three plays. I think um, running Nick Chubb on any of those three plays may or may not have gotten us that first down, but there was still an awful lot that needed to happen after that for us to win the ball game. So um, I, I like our coaching staff. I, I think, you know, I think they make good calls more than they make bad calls, and that's really all you can ask for from a coaching staff. Um, we're not losing games because we're not making the right call at the right time. I think we're losing games because we're not executing at the right time. That's what I've been saying all season. Um, I would agree with that. Honestly, not had, we've not had a, a functional offense since the Cincinnati game. Was that week nine? Mm -hmm. Um, and until we can get that right, um, we could have Vince Lombardi calling plays for us. And I don't think we would have a chance of beating the Packers. We came pretty damn close this week, but it just wasn't, I mean, yeah. it just wasn't yeah. going to happen. 
I mean, the offense yeah. moved the ball. It's like, like I said, it's it was the turnovers. I mean, the Browns were were really moving the ball. I mean, Nick Nick Chubb yeah. had an excellent day um, for sure. You know, uh, um, I don't remember what else I had marked down here. I mean, Nick Chubb, um, uh, Higgins, yeah, Higgins I mean, looked looked good. Um, you had a bunch of different guys catching the ball. Um, yeah. You know, I thought other than the interceptions. Baker was relatively efficient. Um, yeah. He's going to take yeah. a beating because of really two bad decisions by him and two really great plays by the Packers defense. Um, and, and it really boils down to him not being able to get a ball out quick enough, which, again, we've kind of discussed all year. You know, the fact mm-hmm. that the offense plays in cement sometimes, it just – doesn't happen quickly enough and it gives defenders a chance to recover. And that's really what I think led to all of those interceptions. Um, you know, our, our offense just lacks pace. Um, it lacks consistency. Um, and it lacks playmakers. You know, I mean, if you look at, at some of the balls to, to DPJ, I mean, you could argue that they would have been spectacular catches, but again, we've been saying for several weeks now that, those are catches he has to make. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, watching Chase Claypool yesterday, you know, sacrifice his body to make catches, knowing that Pittsburgh going absolutely nowhere. Okay. But yeah. it's not happening for us. And that's what we have to figure out. And if, as soon yeah. as our offense figures all that out, we'll be in ball games again. Yeah, I mean, I agree. The, the the guy that I think really has been the unsung hero this year is Harrison Bryant. I think he has grown leaps and bounds, not having the drops. I mean, uh, the game a couple games ago, um, I'm trying to think of who was the uh, the Steelers game when he went out. I can't recall 100%, but when he went out, I just had a bad feeling that the the guy that Baker was having some chemistry with, you know, uh, you know, he went out and. You know, I I certainly am not throwing Stefanski under the bus, but it just, you know, if your best playmaker needs a little bit of a breather, you've got three timeouts. You know, I, I would have rather them, you know, had an opportunity to win the game, you know, and, you know, if, if, if you have, obviously, you have a backup kicker, I would have rather had an opportunity to kick that than trying to, you know, force some balls in and you know I think I think the biggest thing that the Baker's his problem this year is is his fundamentals and his footwork are really not good every single one of those throws that were interceptions he was on his back foot you know I mean you, you're not you're not going you know they're sailing I mean you know obviously shoulder injury I mean there's there's so many things that go into it this year but I really to me I I don't know you know he's beyond the injuries he has regressed and I thoroughly want him to succeed, but first and foremost, I'm a Browns fan. So I'm not, you know, you know, I, I want the Browns to win, you know, and I think there's, you know, there's some, you know, Baker, Baker, you know what Baker is. He's, he's going to wear his heart in his sleeve. A couple games ago, he shook off the defender, threw the ball away. I'm sure his shoulder was just decimated, you know, then they dropped the ball after that. I mean, the guy has got a lot of heart, no matter if you like him or don't like him. But I mean, I think he's got to he's got to um, look himself in the mirror and say, you know what? 
I did not perform well this year, injury or side. And, and when you're in the game, to me, injuries don't, I mean, if you're, if you're injured to the point where you're hurt, you're hurting the team, don't be on the field. Injuries are not an excuse when you're on the field, in my opinion. Yeah, I think, you know, I think we may know at some point in the future why this whole thing is unfolding the way it is. Um, I suspect that the Browns really feel like they have no alternative but to play Baker mm-hmm. right now. I agree. Um, even yeah. though it, yeah. it, you know, may not be the best decision from a wins and losses standpoint. Um that's just where we are. Um, mm-hmm. And it's, I think it's, it's unfair to place all the blame on him. I mean, obviously he no. was the key contributor, yep. um, but um, you know, there are a bunch of moving pieces with this offense that just aren't clicking. Mm-hmm. And until that changes, like I said, you know, it's it, interestingly, you know, you know who didn't have a catch in that game, David and Joku. Yeah. Yeah, he didn't. Um, yeah. Talk talk about coming up small in big moments. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, w- he looked like watching, the Joku from last season. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What well, what we're watching right now is you know certain guys playing themselves off this team. Mm-hmm. You know, when it comes to roster evaluation in the off season, and who gets extended, um, who gets let go. Um, Guys like Njoku, who um, are not producing when, when called upon, uh, it gets real hard to imagine them uh, being on this team moving forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, you know, there's, there's another year to make that decision on Baker. You know, that's, that's kind of our yep. position on this podcast is we're not going to beat it up too much because we know we've got another year. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Um, but guys like Njoku, who <laughs> are playing for a contract right now, you know, to to not be able to make plays. I mean, Harrison Bryant, you know, you give him credit. He had, he had one catch for one yard and a touchdown. <laughs> you know, and we think that's great for a tight end. <laughs> this, this whole offense is supposed to be built around running backs and tight ends, mm-hmm. okay? Yeah. And our tight ends had four catches in that game. You know, um, we've got to do better. We've, mm-hmm. we've got we've to figure out a way to get these guys – um, into the flow of the offense. And, and I'm, again, it's been weeks since we've seen that happen, you know, so, for sure, for sure. Um, it's, you know, just, there's just too many issues with the offense right now to, to look at the Browns as, as a playoff team. Um, you know, I think from a defensive standpoint, absolutely. You know, we are, we are looking around the edges of a really, you know, competitive, uh, championship level defense. Um, but our offense is a mess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, to your to your yeah. point, as far as um, the fifth year option um, with Baker, I the guy who um, has just been brilliant and seamless since he's gotten here and was here before is Andrew Barry. I I don't think that there's been much that I would critique on, and if they are, they're such minor points. But I mean, you know, getting JOK in the second round, um, Greg Newsom has been absolutely wonderful. You know, and, you know, his point a couple of weeks ago, he says, you know what, Baker's five, got five games to prove himself. And, you know, he 
he definitely he's he's obviously intelligent. He's part of the the Ivy League brain trust, the the coach and uh, you know all all the crew front office. But I mean, I really really thoroughly enjoy what he's doing. And I mean, you know, whether they bring in another quarterback next year or you know just keep uh, Case Keenum, whatever the situation is, Baker's got to first and foremost get himself healthy and ready for the season. And you know yeah. what? This is this is a make or break year for him. I mean, he's. This year, whether he likes it or not, he's lost a lot of money from, you know, even even if he has a great year next year, it's not going to be quite to the magnitude that he was hoping for. And and obviously we as fans would love for, you know, him to piggyback on with uh, Josh Allen, maybe not that amount of money, but just be like the success was in front of him. And, you know, this has been a tough year. You know, they've had a lot of hurdles and, you know, he's you just got to hope his fortitude is there and. I really, really want him to succeed. I mean, there's not many quarterbacks that have said, you know what, I'm going to come to Cleveland and I want to be there. You know, there was, you know, Achilles Smith and down the line, I don't want to be there. And, um, yeah. you know, it's just, it's, you know, it, it takes a certain moxie, which we know he has. And, you know, I love for him to succeed, but, you know, I want the Browns to succeed, you know, if he's there or not. And obviously, you know, let's hope he is. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so uh, you want to throw out the Jim Mora line again, Jeff, about the playoffs because uh, the, the Browns, <laughs> you know, everybody's talking the Browns. You know, the Browns, the Browns, the Browns have a shot, and this has been all over social media. But you know, the Browns, the Browns can win the division still, and it's really not even that far fetched. But the Browns would have to win their their last two games, so they have to go into Pittsburgh and find you know find a way to win, and then they would have to be able to beat the Bengals at home. Uh, you know, if they can do that, then then the Ravens uh, lose to either uh, the Rams or Steelers, and the Bengals would have, would lose to, to KC um, this week. Okay. So, you know, and it's not really far-fetched other than, no. you know, the Browns would have to put two wins together, um, you know, which they, they haven't done a lot this season. So... Um, it, it's not far-fetched, but uh, the defense is there. It's a matter of if they can, you know, put put the points up to win mm-hmm. two games and, and hope the other two yeah. things happen. So um, Week four is the last time we won two in a row. Yeah, yeah, I know no, it doesn't happen a lot. So, yeah. and that that's kind of what I that's kind of what I had written down, guys. Is what's more likely that that the Browns win two in a row, period, or, or that these other scenarios all play out you know <laughs> you know the uh you know the Bengals losing the kc and the ravens losing to the rams or steelers and i guess i guess those are the only two things because if the browns win their last two games they take care of everything else within the division right in, in terms of probability you know going into this season i would have said you know our chances of beating pittsburgh in pittsburgh um would not have been great, but right now I actually feel pretty good about that game. Um, the Bengals coming here the last week with the division potentially on the line, the way the Bengals offense has been clicking, um, boy, their defense doesn't have to be all that good to, to throw a shit ton of points on the board. And I don't know that we have an answer for that. 
Well, I have to do a little shout out to to Joe Burrow and T. Higgins because they they pretty much single handedly put me into the finals of the <laughs> the, the podcast um, fantasy league this past week. Um, Joe Burrow they, has almost a thousand yards against the Ravens. Yeah, <laughs> just the Ravens in two games, yep. almost a thousand yards. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so they put up eighty points for me last week. Um, in fantasy, just those two guys, and and I wound up winning by three points in my match. <laughs> Jeez. So so yeah. Nice. Yeah. Anyway, what's so, what's what what's incredible in the uh, uh, the grand scheme if it comes down to that game? Um, I mean, obviously, you know, Burrow is far outshining Baker, but there's something about Baker and the Bengals. He uh, he is a whole other world as far as his production. I mean, yeah, he plays you know, different. I don't, I don't, I mean, it's, 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 it seems like, I mean, it's just, I mean, that Bengals game was looked like, you know, what we hoped the team was going to be. And I mean, I don't know if it's just, a, you know, a confidence thing or whatever, but I mean, you know, and probably me saying that is just going to put it right down the toilet. But, you know, the, it just, it just seems <laughs> like you're he, absolutely he, right. Though. He, fight, yeah. he fires on all cylinders. It's just, it's, you know, every, every game against them that he's had, he has absolutely been on fire. You know, and well, he's gonna need whatever to. that is, he better, yeah, obviously, for sure. Yeah, yeah. And I'll ironically be at the game, so hopefully, uh, hopefully, yeah, uh, if it could all be on the line, I'd be all right with it, you know, and I'll have a good time either way, so. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and the, and the Chiefs play right into this. I mean, the Chiefs, <laughs> I started watching the Chiefs-Steelers game this past, past uh, weekend. I guess it was a Sunday game, and. Man, that was unwatchable. Uh, the Chiefs absolutely <laughs> thumped the Steelers. Um, they they didn't have any. It just looked like Steelers didn't have any business being on the field with them. It mm-hmm. wound up thirty six to ten, but I think I I don't know. They were shutting them out at halftime. I think. Um, yeah. You know, right. twenty twenty something yeah. and zero. I think. For so, me, it uh, was very watchable. To be honest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, so looked I mean, like, the, it looked the like Bengals Ben. Ben didn't even, you know, he shouldn't be out there. You know, he kind of had that same look on the sideline as he did the playoff game with the Browns. He was just yeah. demoralized. And, but obviously that guy, that guy can, you know, he can make things happen. You know, I wouldn't discount him. No, I mean, we've been through it before. I mean, you can't discount the Steelers, especially in Pittsburgh. So, um, you know, but uh, the Browns defense going to have to keep playing like they do. And the offense left to, you know, figure out a way to score some points. And, um, you know, and we'll we'll see what the Chiefs can do against the Bengals. Um, that that'll definitely be an interesting game. I, I don't know if that game's in Cincinnati or in, in KC. Not sure, but uh, either way, that'll that'll be a tough game because KC KC and the Bengals both seem to be on a roll right now. So, um, mm-hmm. so we'll definitely see what happens. So yeah, that'll be a fun game to watch for sure. And hopefully, uh, hopefully it goes in the Browns' favor. But you know, they they got to take care of their own business. You know, for sure. Yep. Yeah. So, um, so uh, I tell you guys what, we'll we'll get back to the uh, we'll get back to the Steelers game here. I wanted to uh, I wanted to touch on a couple things here before we go back and kind of get uh, score predictions and maybe final thoughts on that Steelers game. Um, uh, John Madden passed away. Was it uh, today or last night? I'm not sure. It was I yesterday it was morning. Today. Yesterday yeah, morning. Okay. Yeah. Well, news kind of kind of got out today, and don't don't worry, Jeff. I won't get all choked up over it or anything. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, 
Anyway, so John Madden passed away. He was he was 85, and uh, I guess I still guess it was kind of sudden. So I'm not I'm not sure what happened, but uh, just a couple things about about uh, John Madden um, for people that um, just just know him. You know, people listening that know him as the uh, you know the the uh, the Madden football game guy, and you know, and maybe maybe know that he announced games and and all this. Uh, you know, John Madden was uh, was obviously the coach of of the Raiders when they won the Super Bowl in, in 1976. Um, he retired in uh, he retired at the age of 42 in 1978 from coaching, and at, at that time he had a record of uh, 103 wins, 32 losses, and seven ties. <laughs> That's a winning percentage of of, of uh, 75.9%, which is the highest winning percentage among coaches with, with 100 games. Wow. Um, I, I really didn't know that until I started started looking at stuff. Um, so, um, you know, from there he went into uh, to broadcasting. Um, he, he, he did broadcasting from 1979 to, um, to 2008, I believe. Uh, with different networks, um, he started the uh, the All Madden team. You guys are familiar with. I'm not, and I'm not sure when that ended or if it ever did end. But he, that started in 1984 mm-hmm. when guys wanted to be on the All Madden team, and uh, the Madden football game actually started in 1988. So, um, you know, I was just kind of thinking just how much football this guy knew and. How he kind of, you know, he with with uh, with Madden and with the football and with all this stuff, you know, he became such a caricature, you know, of himself almost. But he was still just such a, uh, you know, a football legend and obviously one of the greatest coaches, you know, for that brief period of time. I kind of this is a little bit of a stretch, guys, but to me, he's kind of like. He's kind of like in that Babe Ruth category for Babe Ruth the pitcher, where Babe Ruth was an excellent pitcher, who <laughs> could have been a Hall of Fame pitcher, and then he switched and went into hitting. You know, so Madden did this coaching and was it was great at it, but he didn't do it for that long. He only coached for what I think um, 10, 10 years or so, and then he. Then he went and did and was successful at all these other things. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just kind of just a very interesting guy, and I really think he did a lot for for football. Not that football really needed anything, but he really was an ambassador for football. It probably brought a lot of people in through through the games and his announcing and just the way he kind of taught people stuff. So. Yeah. I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on him or if you just want to move on. Yeah, I mean, I, I, uh, if you don't mind, I'm going to jump in. Um, Go ahead. Uh, I those stats are incredible. I mean, obviously, you know, with uh, Ken Stabler and you know that whole cast of characters. I mean, you know, they they absolutely loved every second of being with him. Uh, you yeah. know, I knew it was fantastically successful. I didn't know it was to that point. So I mean, great right. stat, great stats on that for sure, Rod and. Um, in general, I mean, it's his his mark on football is you know so so immense. You don't re- really think about it, but I mean, 
you know, even talking about like Frank Caliendo and his voice and, you know, just like Brett Favre, Brett Favre, Brett Favre. And, you know, all the, you know, I mean, it's just, I mean, he, he's so wide ranging yeah. people, people that don't know anything about football know who he is from a video game standpoint to begin with. And, you know, I mean, he certainly was, as you say, a caricature of himself, but I mean, he wouldn't be where he was. I mean, you could say, oh, geez, like, well, Brett Favre throws the ball more or, you know, gets more yards. We're going to win. He'd have the, he'd be king of the obvious statements, but obviously he knew what he was talking about. And, you know, I mean, he was he was pure entertainment, you know, and I mean, it was uh, it's you don't think about everything that he, you know, brought to the game and, you know, enhanced the game. I mean, you know, I don't think that, he, you know, I don't know enough about him, but I don't think that necessarily was something that he wanted on his shoulders, you know, from what I could gather and know. I mean, he was a pretty, pretty humble guy. I mean, you know, he, he would drive his, uh, his big, uh, his big bus because he didn't want to fly everywhere he was going. And, you mm -hmm. know, he, he was who he was and made no apologies for it. Yeah. I think he's one of those guys that, that kind of everybody felt like they, like they would just be able to walk up and talk to him. Mm -hmm. For sure. And they literally did. Oh yeah, sure. Yeah. I mean, he was, he was that accessible, you know? Um, and in the, the eighties and nineties, um, John Madden and Pat Summerall, uh, and, and, and possibly the, uh, the guy who did NFL films, I'm forgetting his name right now. Um, Steve, Sa Steve Sable, Steve Sager. Yeah. We're, we're Sable. Yeah. Sable. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, they were, they were NFL football. You know, those those were the voices of NFL football. When you think about games, you know, when we were young men and, and watching the NFL in those decades, um, those are the voices that come to mind and just iconic, you know. Um, so, you know, John, John Madden coached long enough to, to be a Hall of Fame coach. Mm -hmm. um, everything he did after that was because that's what he wanted to do. Um, and we're all better off for it. Absolutely. Well, well said. Yeah, so I wanted to take just a few minutes, uh, one more sidetrack, and then we're going to get back to Browns football and, and the Steelers game and that. But uh, Joe and I are, have something else in common, and that's we're both into uh, to, uh, sports collectibles, uh, sports cards and that. So uh Something we've never really talked about on this podcast, I don't believe. Um, it, it may have come up a few times, but, you know, um, just thought we'd talk about it a little bit. And, uh, Joe, I, I kind of wanted to uh, let you let you begin and just kind of talk about how you got your start in, in collecting and and uh, kind of what it does for you and, and um, kind of a little bit about what you're doing now with it, too. Sure, definitely. Um, it's something... Um you know, I think my dad brought in, I wouldn't say selfishly, but it was another thing for us to, you know, do besides, you know, going to my uh, CYO basketball games and whatever else. It was just another fun thing for us to do. And, you know, at the point when I got into it, um, you know, that was, uh, you know, kind of now we call it the junk wax era, you know, the mid, mid early 80s cards, 87 Donruss was one that we collected and just loved every second of it. Those, you know, rated rookie cards just kind of always brings chills as far as, you know, bringing it, bringing it home, bringing the, uh, the binder and putting the cards in. 
but we would uh, constantly go to card shows together and, you know, being from New York, um, you know, I, I do love the Indians, but I, you know, this may be bad on the podcast, but I grew up a Yankees fan and, uh, um, still do like them. But I mean, when they won the championship in 96, that was all I needed. That was the one championship that meant the most to me after that. It didn't, you know, it was nice, but you know, you know, I, I, in 2016, I was rooting so hard for the Indians and, you know, unfortunately what unraveled, you know, happened, happened, but you know, we would go to shows and, you know, you know, I met Mickey, Mickey Mantle, Whitey Ford, Stan Musial, um, you name it, all those guys in those eras were big parts of card shows. And, you know, the classiest guy I've ever met in my life was Stan Musial and Stan the Man. Uh, I mean, I still, you know, I've gotten a couple autographs of his lately on cards and it just, it means the world to me because, you know, I was nine or 10 when I met him. There was a huge line of people behind him and uh, he spent about 15, 20 minutes talking to me. You know, people were getting a little unruly behind it. He's like, I'm talking with my buddy Joe right now. I will get to you and we'll have a conversation. It's going to be okay. <laughs> and, and as calmly as could That's be so said, great. I mean, he's such a gentleman. I mean, he says, do you play baseball? What do you, what's your name? You know, you know, who's your team? And I mean, it was just, yeah. he was, he was the real article and it just, it meant the world to me. And I still stand Musial is still, you know, I mean, obviously I did not see him play, but I mean, and he's obviously yeah. one of the greats. It just, it meant so much to me, you know, uh, what a gentleman he was. And I kind of, you know, that brings me to maybe, maybe freshman or sophomore year of high school. And, you know, you're starting to drive your, you know, interest lies in other areas, you know, uh, you're starting to meet girls, you're thinking about college, things like that. I got back into it maybe about five or six years ago. So I took about, you know, I'll, I'll, I will soon be 45 in March. I probably took about a, you know, 20, 20, you know, 20 year hiatus from it. You know, mm-hmm. always, always thought about it in my mind. I was, you know, maybe look at them once in a while, but for some reason I got back into it and the new craze right now is breaking where, uh, you know, you're, uh, you're buying into the Browns or the Yankees or whatever. And, you know, five or six boxes are open and, you know, hopefully, uh, your team hits and sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. It's kind of the fun of watching it. One of the big YouTube crazes. And, um, if I'm, yeah. am I allowed, am I allowed to state one of the guys that we like, or is that, is that unethical on, on the podcast? I don't want to overstep. <laughs> one of the guys you like, one of the players, uh, one of the breaking groups. Oh, you, well, you yeah, you can name a breaking okay. group if you want. That's fine. Okay. Yeah. Well, the, the guys that kind of got me into it, um, they're out of Columbus called buck city breaks. And, uh, the thing that uh, one of the first breaks I ever did with them, uh, there was a, one of their, uh, you know, family, as they call it was, uh, their, their sons was going through some really tough times and they did 24 hours of breaking literally on YouTube. It was one of the first things they did and every single dollar that they raised. And it was an extraordinary amount went specifically to this family to help fund, uh, you know, medical expenses. And I was just floored by it. And yeah. it kind of, it kind of brings me to, you know, what Rod may be alluding to something that I did recently. Um, our neighbors um, who are like family, uh, the wife, uh, she's had MS for the better part of her adult life and is wheelchair bound. And 
I kind of came up with the idea of, you know, getting the ball rolling for a one week kind of auction type thing. And long and the short, we were able to raise $1,800 in one week for MS. And then I, I also, uh, um, had a really nice autographed, um, uh, triple relic, uh, Baker card that I donated to a young kid, uh, who wouldn't necessarily see a nice card like that. But as much as I love the, the collecting, you know, philanthropic type things are things that I've always kind of drawn to. And to me, that's, that's, it's just, you know, raising money and I never would care about, I've done a lot of things. I, I prefer to do things kind of under the radar. And I think that's kind of, you know, mm -hmm. where the, where the best things are led, but, you know, Rod was, you know, with his reach on Twitter, he was able to retweet and do kind of a shout out about this. And my buddies at Buck City Breaks and some other people that I know, you know, there was actually 25,000 people impressions of my original tweet. And, you know, it was just kind of, uh, you know, I try to always treat people how I want to be treated and literally go above and beyond. And it's, uh, you know, it's a little heartwarming for people to, you know, maybe see even a little glimpse of that. And, you know, it was uh, one of the one of the most tremendous weeks as far as just seeing the outpouring of people, you know, and, you know, give a dollar or not give a dollar, but just, you know, just supporting it and saying, oh, way to go, Joe, you know, retweeting. It was it was pretty cool. So that's kind of yeah. up, up to my present day situation as far as collecting. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, yeah, I got my start a little bit before that, but I think the first set I really worked on was the 81 top set. And, you know, I just bought a bunch of packs and stuff. And it's kind of funny. I, I was uh, I went through that set just like a year or two ago and I was still missing so many cards that I just bought the set because <laughs> it yeah. was like. I, it really wasn't that much to buy the whole set. It was, I, I don't even remember. It was, it was under $50, let's say. Yeah. So, so I bought the set and, you know, and that first set that you work on, it's just meaningful to you, you know, mm -hmm. um, whether it's a cool set or not, it's just, it just takes you back to your, to the beginning of collecting, you know, whether mm -hmm. it's, you know, whether it's a crappy looking set or, a, or one of the coolest sets that's ever been put out. It really doesn't matter. It's just, you know, you just, there's just something special about there. You know, there was something special about breaking those packs open as, you know, early on. And not that there's not now, but the, I think the longer you, you do it, um, the more you know about cards and maybe you don't appreciate every card as much, mm -hmm. you know, whereas when you're first starting, you're looking at every card at every player and you're like, wow, I got this guy, I got this guy, you know. Maybe yep. this guy would be good someday, and now it's like you're looking for certain stuff, and you know, and um, it's just really cool to to think back to the days that you know when it first started. And yeah, you know, I collected a lot of the stuff in the '80s too, and a lot of it's crap, you know, at this mm -hmm. point. But um, still, some of the stuff I like though. So right, definitely. Yeah. But um, yeah, the hobby's really taken off. So um, we'll uh, we'll. We'll see where it goes. We'll see. People, a lot of people are into it. Um, I think it's different now. A lot of people, um, you know, I think people are interested in the hobby and in breaking, but I think a lot of people are investing in it and stuff, and prices are oh, going yeah. up. Um, you know, I don't know if there are as many people building sets and 
you know, doing stuff just for the joy of collecting. Um, right. You know, I think pe- I think people people collect, but they collect kind of in different ways now. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. I think I think what's going to be very very interesting the fact that Fanatics um, bought a big portion of the hobby. I think it's most of the Panini brands, and I'm not sure if it's the Tops to be completely frank, but and it's going to be a couple years down the road. But it's going to be pretty interesting with their scope and um, prowess how they're going to uh, going to change that. And you know, it's just it's it's very uh there's been some black eyes on the hobby recently when uh you know people are literally going in and fighting for you know these basketball cards or baseball cards or football cards that are you know you could find a a zion or a jaw or you know a tani or whatever and they're literally fighting over it and mm-hmm. you know walmart and target pretty much had to say you know what you know our employees don't need this abuse and they were literally getting abused by some you know i mean it's it's usually that one percent that kind of ruins it for the rest of us, or less than that. But you know, the the the, yeah. the people the people that you know, I mean, you you want kids to be into games and into that stuff. And I mean, you know, the fact that games are on late, totally different scenario. And you know, these cards are not as accessible. You know, now they're coming back to it a little bit. But I mean, it's you know, that's who you want the kid the kids to be excited about sports and just kind of that you know, that awe of, oh my gosh, you know, I just got, uh, you know, Jose Ramirez or, you know, Shane Bieber. I mean, you know, and I, you're starting yeah. to see it a little bit. I think there's, it's, it's coming back in a better direction, but I mean, you know, that money or that greed can, you know, change things in, a, in not the best way, but hopefully, hopefully that was just a little blip. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, so let okay. me tell you a little story real quick, Joe. Okay. Sure. And this is going to this is going to sound cliché. <laughs> but when Rod and I were young kids, um, our parents owned an ice cream stand. It was on Northfield Road, it was called Bedford Dairy Isle. Okay. And occasionally my dad would bring home a pack or two of cards that they sold at the ice cream stand. Baseball, football. I mostly liked football cards because I was kind of into playing football at that point. Um, mm-hmm. And I still remember, you know, having Jim Brown cards and Joe Namath cards and all those guys from, you know, the mid to late 60s. Um, you know what I did with them? I put them in my spokes of my bike with a, uh, uh, yep. with a uh, clothespin and rode down, you know, rode down the road with the, the the, the cards go click, 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 right? Um, <laughs> honest to God, I, I probably did that with cards that would be worth thousands of dollars today. Um, mm-hmm. And then when, you know, when we moved um, after my fifth grade year of elementary school, we moved down to Columbus. I gave a whole bag full of those cards to the neighbor kid. Never saw okay. them again. Um, yeah. But you know what? I have right now couple boxes of those junky 80s cards down in my mm-hmm. basement mm-hmm. um you know what i think i'm gonna do next summer i'm gonna get them out and i'm gonna show my grandson how to bend them around the spokes of his bike <laughs> because that's about all they're worth <laughs> and i think that will connect with him and he'll have as much fun as i did when i was a kid yeah um, that's really kind of what it's all about right 
Yeah, it is. My uh, my nephew, um, they're in Columbus. Um, he's soon to be 12, hard to believe. And he kind of got into it um, a little bit. And I've, you know, actually this Christmas, all, the whole family, uh, yeah, young girls, young boys, um, my sister-in-law and brother-in-law got them stuff. And, you know, my sister-in-law was a really very, very good uh, basketball player in Ohio and, you know, still has, you know, one of the sweetest jump shots you'll ever see. And her brother took all of her dream team cards. And I just, you know, I always kind of listened for gift ideas. And, you know, I was able to, uh, you know, something that I had for a while was like Michael Jordan uh, locker um, cards. It looks like literally like a locker. And there's like two of six cards. And it was the 1992 hoops. And it was all the dream team year. And I gave her that unopened. And, you know, you would have thought that I, you know, gave her, you know, pure gold. Because it was something that she'd always talked about. You're like, my silly brothers took it and they'll never admit it. And I'm like, well, I brought them home for you. And, uh, you know, that's, you know, that type of thing, just the giving of it. It was, uh, it was a real, you know, just a small part of Christmas, but it was, uh, it was something that she, you know, you could just tell the smile on her face. She, like, she went back to her childhood. She just had that, you know, schoolgirl type look on her face and it was kind of cool. That's awesome. Yeah. All right, guys, let's uh, let's get back to the Steelers game. Do you, do you guys have any any final thoughts on that, or are you ready to just kind of throw some some score predictions out? I'll follow let's your guys' predictions. Yeah, yeah. Let's get to the predictions. Okay, I'm going to follow Jeff's advice, and I'm going to go first this week. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I think that the Browns defense is going to keep playing well, and I think that uh, I think the Browns offense is going to uh, find a way to get some points on the board. Um, you know, this might be one of those games where we get a defensive touchdown potentially. Um, but I've got the Browns winning twenty-four to thirteen in Pittsburgh. Okay. So, uh, so Joe, Joe, you're the guest. We'll let you go second. All right, as long as as long as I'm not going to jinx and go in the wrong order or whatnot, I'll uh, I'll hopefully <laughs> hopefully I'll bring good news here. Um, I definitely have uh, full confidence in them winning. Um, you know, based on you know the, where the Steelers are at, and obviously the Browns are. You know, they uh, they tease us just enough to be in the games, but they really can't get over that finish line. But I feel like, um, you know, with uh, having Kareem Hunt come back, Malik McDowell, Jedrick Wills, you know, all the way down the line, you can look at Rodney Harrison, um, you know, uh, you know, I think I think they're they're getting, you know, players back at the right time. Jadavion Clowney obviously will be very important and hopefully, uh, you know, hopefully Miles is uh, a little healthier, but I don't know that that groin's going to really heal quickly. But, um, yeah. you know, I think I think that they're going to have the pieces in place. And um, I'm thinking 31 to 14 Browns. I think they're going to they're going to make enough noise on the defense to to, uh, wow. you know, to um, to do things. I think, you know, uh, I think the offensive line can do very good. I mean, obviously, T.J. Watt's a beast, you know, Cam Hayward's a beast. But, you know, there's a lot of deficiencies on that team. And obviously, it's been you know, necked up, too. You know? and, and obviously, t- I mean. You know, I don't care for Tomlin, but he just, they find ways to be in games, you know, whether it was, uh, 
you know, they, they win games that they shouldn't, or, you know, uh, I don't know if it was the Chargers game a couple weeks ago when they were so far out of it and they came back in. I mean, that was part of the them taking their foot off the gas, but they just, they somehow just, you know, Ben, when he retires, I'll be fine with it. But he always, he, you know, he's he's obviously on his last legs, but he just, he's got that knack. I mean, he's a Hall of Famer, whether we like it or not. He he can find a way to do it. And hopefully they just don't give him that opportunity. But I, uh, I've got a lot of confidence in him. Man, it'd be great to see the Browns score 31. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's the mark. Maybe that's the market garden talking. I don't know. <laughs> oh, it'd, be, it'd be wonderful. I, I hope it happens. Uh, that's only seven more than what I have. So, so hey. Right. Okay. I'm gonna take you back to week eight. Um, the Browns lost a squeaker, fifteen to ten, to the Steelers. I think they're gonna flip that score this week. They're gonna win fifteen to ten. And I'm going to make the prediction that I made that week that the Browns are going to have a pick six of Big Ben. And then we're going to mix, miss the extra point. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> but I feel pretty good about us scoring 15, and I feel even better about our defense holding Ben to 10. So I'm going to go with a low-scoring game this week. And mm-hmm. sorry, Jeremy, it's an under. So you've got uh... – let me let me just get this straight, Jeff. Do you, do you have the offense scoring a touchdown, or are you thinking that we're going to get three field goals, or touchdown field goal with with two missed extra points? Uh, yeah, I think we're going to miss two extra points. I, I don't think we're going to get. I think I think asking us to get one field goal is going <laughs> to be a lot. Um, so yeah, we're gonna we're gonna probably the defense is gonna score. We're gonna miss an extra point. The offense is gonna score. We're gonna miss an extra point, and we're gonna get a, we're gonna kick a field goal somewhere in there because we're gonna be on the five yard line and not be able to get a first down. <laughs> God, I feel horrible just listening to that. But it's a win. <laughs> it's a win, It'll but a it's win. gonna be. Well, you know what? That <laughs> that sounds like the last four games the Browns have played. You know, we're down to the wire, hurt just pounding in my chest. <laughs> yep. Shouldn't I really shouldn't expect anything different? Yeah, <laughs> that's that's definitely a true statement. That that Bengals game a couple of weeks ago or earlier in the season. I mean, that's uh, that's not the norm for us Browns fans. Uh, easy games, easy games are uh, very much against the equation in most scenarios. Yeah, I I, re- I think we've had four in a row, three or four in a row that have gone down to the last, pretty much the last play. Mm-hmm. Two so. points, two points, two points. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, and that get Ravens a- game was close too. It, it was. ended up being sixteen to ten, but that was last minute. It was close. Yeah, they they had a shot in that one too. So yeah, yeah. All right, well. The good news is we all have them uh, winning. Let's let's hope that happens, and the score really doesn't matter. If, no, I'll, I'll if take a dub, one, one point win is a I could care less. I just a W is a W. Ugly, ugly or right. beautiful is fine with me. That's right. Yep. So we want that Cincinnati game to mean something. Yes. Yeah. 
Yeah, so let's hope KC comes through and, and the Browns uh, and the Browns can take care of business in Pittsburgh, and we'll we'll see what happens in Week 18. So, yeah, yeah. All right, guys, it's time for some some closing remar- remarks or, or thoughts. Um, Joe, you're the guest. We'll let you uh, we'll let you go first and closing things out for us. Sure. Well, I just want to thank. Uh... Uh, thank Rod and uh, Jeff for having me. I mean, it was uh, it was a nice surprise uh, that I got the the Twitter DM a couple days ago and with the invite. And you know, I was very humbled to think that you know my uh, my opinion mattered. And you know, hopefully uh, hopefully I showed all right in my uh, my inaugural pol- uh, podcast of all time. And uh, <laughs> you know, and uh, I had I had a blast with you guys. I mean. You know, even this is the first time that we've actually talked, you know, I felt, you know, pretty solid rapport and, you know, I, I felt like it was pretty natural and hopefully it came off that way. And, you know, thank you very much. Absolutely, Joe. I thought I thought you did a great job. So uh, everybody follow up, follow Joe at Joey Doves 77 and Jeff closing thoughts. Um, last look at Ben Roethlisberger. Monday, as far as playing the Browns, um, it, you know, it, as far as everybody knows, it's, he's retiring. Um, and the best thing I can say is good riddance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I have to agree. Let's, let's, uh, send him away with a loss. That's about yep. all I can say. So, all right. This has been the Browns blitz and we will catch you next time.